Today on the Sunshine Economy. This would be huge, huge. How two bills making their way through the Florida legislature would rewrite the relationship between businesses and local governments. This would seriously be a game changer. Ten years down the road, and we are not going to be in the great position that we are now. I'm Danny Rivero. And I'm Tom Hudson. The latest Tallahassee Takeover podcast explores the building friction over business and local rule. A business person can run for local office. Business people are part of your community. They're the people that provide jobs to your residents. It's next on The Sunshine Economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. I'm Tom Hudson. And I'm Danny Rivero. What are three hours worth? What are the hours from two until five o'clock in the morning worth in financial terms and for quality of life? That's one way to think about a decision before Miami Beach City Commissioners. Last fall, 56% of voters in the city supported an effort to move last call for alcohol from 5 a.m. to 2 a.m., erasing three hours of business for bars, restaurants, and nightclubs. Commissioners don't have to make any changes. The vote was a non-binding referendum. It was essentially a poll of voters. But the commissioners are moving toward making some kind of permanent decision to put limits on the hours of selling booze in Miami Beach. At the same time, Florida Republican lawmakers are moving towards final votes on a pair of bills designed to raise the stakes for local governments when they put new rules on businesses. Just how these bills may collide with efforts to dial back selling booze on South Beach remains to be seen. Yet, it's just the latest effort by state lawmakers to limit the power of local governments. This is the focus of WLRN's podcast series, Tallahassee Takeover. It examines how the state government is increasingly reaching into city halls, classrooms, neighborhoods, school boards from Key West to Pensacola. And Danny, you dig into these efforts to allow businesses to sue local governments if they lose profits because of a local ordinance. We'll hear that podcast coming up this hour. Where did this effort begin? Right. These proposals came from Florida State Senator Travis Hudson, who represents Flagler, St. John's and part of Volusia in northeast Florida. And he's basically pitching these proposals as a kind of end game that would keep the state government from having to pass one off bills to block things like plastic bag bans and bans on Airbnbs and neighborhoods um, without the state passing laws that effectively put bans on bans for various things. Local governments actually have a lot of discretion about what kinds of laws and restrictions they can pass. And Hudson wants to stop lawmakers from actually having to do that work and essentially outsource it to the business community. So what flexibility did local governments have to make rules for businesses, for instance, early in the pandemic? So early in the pandemic, there was a lot. And this is the kind of thing that came in waves because Governor DeSantis over time rolled back how much control local governments had over certain restrictions having to do with COVID. But at the beginning, cities and counties, they could order retail businesses closed for weeks at a time, for example. And when restaurants and bars started to open back up, they could impose rules about filling seats to a quarter or half capacity, things like that. And this all happened in the context of billions of dollars in federal COVID relief funds floating around. So a hope from a lot of local business, local governments 
was that businesses could be kept afloat with those rules and regulations because of that relief money. And a lot of businesses did survive, but a lot of smaller businesses also did close up during the pandemic. And some of those businesses that closed blame these local rules and regulations that were created for public health reasons. So how were those local rules greeted by the state of Florida back in the spring of 2020, now two years ago? (laughs) So at the beginning, it was pretty wide open, actually. Um, The state let a lot of local governments do almost whatever they wanted. And Governor DeSantis himself ordered bars and restaurants across the state to close for a few weeks in 2020. But as time went on and the governor started to relax those restrictions at the state level, he started to go toe to toe with a lot of decisions being made by city and county leaders, saying that keeping these different kind of restrictions in place would confuse business people and also just kill the state economy. Generated a lot of friction up and down the peninsula. How did businesses respond to those early COVID-19 restrictions? So I actually talked with Samantha Paget about what she heard about this, and she's the vice president and general counsel of the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. I had one restaurant that they weren't allowed to seat anybody at a bar, you know, even spaced, even if you had a bar and it had plexiglass, you know, every six feet or whatever. And they said all, you know, they, they, Bar, bar seating was, even though they were a restaurant, was a bulk of their, their seating in their restaurant. They're like, how do I function? How do I make money? How do I, you know, how do I get people back in? Even if I can space them and keep it safely, it was really just the definition of bar seating. So just sitting someone at the bar meant that that was a no-go, even if you could space them appropriately. So Danny, how did who made business restrictions change throughout the pandemic from state government, county government, city governments? So if we remember... Just to take an example, nightclubs were closed for most of South Florida over the course of 2020. Here in Miami, where I am, um, former Miami-Dade mayor, who's now a Republican congressman, Carlos Jimenez, kept bars and nightclubs closed for most of the year. And when he let them be reopened, he kept a lot of restrictions in place. Um, Like there was an early countywide curfew in place. There was mask mandates in bars and nightclubs. And all of that was still going on, just to take this one jurisdiction as an example, until Governor DeSantis took steps to effectively end a lot of local rules and regulations that were based on COVID orders and just make most of the state stand on equal ground. And Samantha Paget with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association says this whole tug of war between the different cities and counties among themselves and the state government kind of sticking its hand into the cake mix at the same time just created an atmosphere of general confusion and, you know, business owners didn't know what to do. Let's talk to that restaurant that has primarily bar seating. They can space, if they can accomplish the goal of proper social distancing and and addressing what the concern was without having the negative impact of, of having to cut half their seating in their establishment, why isn't that sufficient? So now here we are, Danny, two years later in this pandemic, Where is the line for local business regulations and state rules? So a lot of it is perpetually up for discussion, actually. It's essentially whatever the state wants it to be. (laughs) You know, some some states give local governments a lot of room, a lot of discretion to do what they want to do. I'm thinking of places like Illinois and and New York. Um, But Florida has taken a different approach on this. They've taken more of a big brother approach, if I can call it that. They closely track and limit what cities are trying to do, which means Tallahassee is 
often overriding decisions that are actually popular within the cities themselves. So over time, local voters are actually having less and less of a say of what happens where they live. And a lot of that is getting pushed to the state capital. If we can be having similar conversations about impact, if we can have similar conversations about uh, unintended consequences, about economic impact, then we have potentially overall a more consistent approach to some of these issues. And when we have a more consistent approach, it, it is better for you know what I call, I've always called them multi-jurisdictional operators, people that, are, that operate across state lines. That's Samantha Padgett again with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. So why has this trend, Danny, of the state legislature passing rules limiting local governments grown? Lots of local governments in Florida, the biggest local governments in Florida, when we think about the big cities and population centers, those local governments are controlled by Democrats for the most part, which is basically in the state of Florida, that's a political opposition. So a lot of times cities that are big and controlled by the political opposition are making decisions that Republican lawmakers in the state don't agree with. So those lawmakers take steps to undermine what is happening in these cities and counties. So on some level, it's all about power. Um, But I will say a lot of Republican officials that I've talked to across the state say that they're also incredibly uncomfortable with what the state government is doing because it takes away their their ability where they live to make decisions and solve problems at the local level, which is actually a fundamental core conservative belief that the more power local governments have, the better. The less centralized power is, the better. This highlights the conflict between, you know, home rule and and state level preemption and the desire to delve into these issues and find real solutions and, and the conversations that are created by this, I think, are really meaningful. You are listening to The Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson, along with my colleague, Danny Rivero, the host and reporter for our podcast, Tallahassee Takeover. Still to come on this program, the Miami Beach mayor on his push for an earlier last call as Republican lawmakers debate new limits on local governments. I don't think they want to be on the side of late night clubs and adult entertainment establishments. That's not who they want to align with. They want to align with residents. This is the Sunshine Economy. Thanks for listening this week here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. And I'm Danny Rivero. Dan Gelber wants last call for alcohol to be 2 a.m. for most places in Miami Beach, including many of the places that currently can serve until 5 a.m. Gelber is the mayor of Miami Beach. He's not too worried about the possibility of bars and nightclubs suing the city if they have to shut off the taps and stop bottle service earlier than they do now. Two proposals moving through the Florida legislature aim to give businesses the ability to stop new local regulations if a new rule shrinks their profits. The bills could be law before the Miami Beach City Commission makes a final decision about changing the hours of selling alcohol. 56% of voters in Miami Beach okayed a non-binding referendum last fall to end alcohol sales earlier by three hours. Commissioners have been debating several ideas, such as restricting any new liquor license to 2 a.m., allowing larger hotels to keep serving until 5 a.m., or cutting everyone off three hours earlier than today. We spoke with Mayor Gelber from his office at Miami Beach City Hall. Mr. Mayor, welcome back to WLRN. Will there be Miami Beach businesses that have to stop serving alcohol earlier than what is currently allowed? I hope so. 
you know, I think that our city, especially in March, which is uh, the spring break month, has had a very uh, challenging time. And so we've got a few different efforts underway. One, uh, which we're going to be reviewing, uh, is simply to have a few weeks in March where we do it everywhere in South Beach. We also obviously are implementing the recently uh, approved, you know, idea of, of really doing 2 a.m. throughout the city in, in various places in various forms. So we're doing both simultaneously, but my hope is for at least two or three weeks in March, all of South Beach uh, sort of ends drinking at 2 a.m. So will that earlier last call lead to a drop in revenue at bars, restaurants, and nightclubs? I don't know. Um, I know that it'll be safer. It'll be there'll be more order, and our cops, which right now have to police 24 hours, uh, won't have this, the issues they've had. Uh, there is a business model uh, which is profitable that allows you to, you know, have big drinks all night long and create a, a, a all night party. But there are other business models that are also very profitable that don't require drinking all night long in a hard party. And most places, most destinations, most bars, even in our own city, stop at 2 a.m. So it's a very small number that are all night, uh, but they attract just too much disorder and chaos, especially when so many people are coming here as they do in March. Mayor, under new proposals being considered right now by the Florida legislature, a new part of the process in creating new ordinances would be to conduct an economic impact survey of how those new rules would impact local businesses. The state government does do this right now for for creating and passing new laws, but local governments haven't had to do it up till now. Um, some local governments have have expressed concerns that this could drive up costs with consultants and studies and whatnot, make the status quo harder to change. I'm I'm just curious your thoughts on that requirement that would make you actually have to study and publish what those economic impacts would be. Well, it's not like we operate in the dark. We know a few things. Number one. Uh, some folks have hired people to do their own studies. The bars hire people, and, and lo and behold, the studies that they pay for say, if we close three bars on Ocean Drive at 2 a.m., Ocean Drive will fall into the, the ocean and will be gone forever. That's what their studies have shown. Uh, that's a little bit of hyperbole there, Your Honor. It doesn't quite say that. They make it sound like we're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. It's only two or three bars on Ocean Drive, and their studies create this absurd econometric uh, assumptions that are just ridiculous, by the way. I, I know about those studies because, uh, believe me, you can hire a lot of people to give you a lot of data. We know what we spend, by the way. We spend many millions of dollars on overtime uh, for our policing, an enormous amount. And, and when we do our studies of what we spend versus what we get, we are in the hole dramatically. But by the way, that's not why we're doing this. It's not about the money. You can't pay me for the uh, branding uh, di uh, diminishment and the public uh, safety issues that we're confronting. You can't pay me for the, as they say in my tradition, the sorus I am feeling from this, because honestly, when you see the kinds of things that are happening in this area, our residents will not go to Ocean Drive anymore, all year long, mostly, and certainly in March. Some leave the city. That's all you need to know. So if the state says you want us to study this, it's not the economic impact that's driving it. There is a business model that works quite well in this area because most of the bars close at 2 a.m. or earlier. Most of bars in almost all destination cities close at 2 a.m. or earlier. So this is just a business model of a few places, a few establishments that 
decide that the big drinks and the all-night drinking is how they want to make their money. People who live on Ocean Drive, and there are people who live there, people who live in, uh, in the Flamingo Park area, and there are people that live there, people that live south of Fifth, uh, and there are elementary schools all over these areas. I mean, they have a right to not have to endure this. So it's not even about the money, although the money argument is a, is a ridiculous one. You say it's not about the money, Mr. Mayor, for the state legislature considering these proposals. It is about the money. It is saying essentially under one proposal that if a business sees its profits decrease by 15 percent or more about the money because of a local ordinance, that business can sue for damages. I'm aware of that, but it should not apply to uh, alcohol hours, by the way. Uh, and I'm not sure it does. But there's no exemption in the legislation. Except that there are state statutes that give us the authority to control alcohol hours. Those are specific, and they shouldn't be included in that, because under that theory, you could simply say, listen, we don't really care about anything. We can do whatever we want, and, this, and you can't do it if it's going to impact our business. You know, there is a, most places are 2 a.m. It's a very reasonable thing to say we would prefer not to be an all-night party town. It's a very reasonable thing. And I think uh, the legislation they're considering, if it doesn't, it ought to at least incorporate what the state statutes say you can do, which is a home rule issue of simply saying, I'd like to control the time when liquor sales have to end, because that is a fundamental right of a community to determine, you know, its ability to live peacefully. You contend that the state liquor laws, which allow local setting of rules trump this legislation that's being considered right now? I think that the legislature is obviously thinking about that because I don't think what they want to do is cement into some kind of right. You know, I mean, does that mean that if you have a, uh, for instance, uh, an adult club and a community says, we don't want that anymore, or we don't want an open pass to that, oh, they now have a fundamental right to be there no matter what? I don't think the legislature wants to do that. I think they're thinking of other things not quality of life kind of things. Uh, this is a quality of life. I mean, you know, I don't think the Florida legislature wants to be responsible uh, for the disorder and misconduct uh, that's happening in places. Legislature doesn't tend to be a weak on, uh, on law enforcement, and this is a law enforcement issue. Fundamentally, it's a quality of life issue, fundamentally, and I think they are sensitive to that. I have been following along with the committee meetings and whatnot, and you're, the points that you're making are a little bit of an open-ended discussion in the legislature. They haven't explicitly said that that liquor laws are, are not exempt or whatnot. But I want to ask you, m moving beyond nightclubs, are there any other kind of businesses or business models in the city that you fear could be impacted by these proposed laws? For example, I'm thinking about how the city has started to regulate sidewalk cafes over the last few years. It's been a big focus. Are there any other business models that you fear your ability to pass new rules could be impacted if these bills go into effect? Well, I think that a lot of uh, our public spaces and how we control them, like I think it would be ridiculous for the legislature to say, when we contract with a place to, to use our sidewalk for their cafe tables, that we can't tell them they shouldn't be serving big drinks or have hookah or be open late uh, or that they must have uniforms. In other words, we or they can't, you know, we should have a right, which is a contract, by the way, and not a, not a right of the uh, business owner. No businesses have a right to be on our public spaces. That's a privilege we give them. 
typically by some kind of contract, either an ordinance or, or an actual contract. So I think we obviously should be able to contract with businesses, or frankly, we could just say we're not going to let any business have uh, a sidewalk cafe, which is, listen, if, if our businesses give us such a trouble that they refuse to sort of work with us, we'll just, you know, get rid of all the sidewalk cafes if that's not, I mean, I, but I don't think they're doing that, by the way. I think almost all the businesses, they're very happy uh, they, uh, with, with the sidewalk cafes. They are, our requirements that they up their game in their parklets where we've allowed them to build out isn't something that's offensive to them because they get the fact that it's a, it's a privilege and ultimately we're going to be renting that space to them. I mean, they, they rent it. So it's, it's not their building. It's, it's a public sidewalk we're giving them or a parklet we're giving them uh, the privilege to be on for a certain amount of money. So that's a contract. And I don't think the legislature really intends to create some uh, property right in somebody uh, in the sidewalk, in the public sidewalk in front of them. So I, I feel comfortable. I mean, listen, I, the legislature's done some things I obviously disagree with a whole lot of things when I was there because I was constantly voting against everything. But, um, but I think they tend to understand quality of life issues because those uh, transcend partisan divisions. That was Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber. The city commission is expected to make final decisions in April about how long to allow the sale of alcohol. The Florida legislative session is scheduled to end about a month before. You are listening to The Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. He's Danny Rivero. Still to come, this tug of war between local governments and the state and when you can buy booze in Miami Beach. What you realize is in a bar or in a nightclub, those are your best hours, right? The, the, the truth is, for them, it's 12 to 3. We're back on the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hudson. And I'm Danny Rivero. The lobbyist for some bars and nightclubs on Miami Beach says the businesses accept that there will be an earlier shutoff time for alcohol sales for some establishments. But former Representative Joe Garcia also says those businesses may use a proposal now making its way through the Florida legislature that would allow them to sue the city if they see their profits shrink because of an earlier last call. Garcia is the co-chairman of lobbying firm Mercury and director of the Miami Beach Tourism and Hospitality Coalition. Representative Garcia, thanks for joining us. Mayor Gelber told us that he hopes some Miami Beach businesses will have to stop serving alcohol earlier than what is currently allowed. Does your coalition of bar and nightclub owners support any version of an earlier last call than 5 a.m.? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's look at problem places, right? Places where you have violence or places where things get out of control. You can pull that license. You can you can sanction those companies. But when you look by and large, what they're reacting to is, of course, an overreaction of what happened a year and a half ago with the pandemic, right? The entire country was closed. Florida was open. And clearly the marquee place in, I would say, the United States, but certainly uh, you can go broader in the world where you could come, was South Florida. At that time, you had $99 fares, $50 hotel rooms, and you had people who had gotten stimulus money. And so they poured into the only place that had a party. But let's be clear, when they poured in here, the places had curfew, the bars were closed. And so what did people do? They partied on the street, they lost control. And what the city commission is overreacting to, and not, and not all of them, a few of them, it is precisely because they are overreacting to what 
what everyone recognizes was was something a once in a in a century event, which is this pandemic that that hit the whole country and Florida stayed open. Do you all have a, an idea of how much this would impact the businesses who would be forced to scale back their alcohol sales? Millions and millions of dollars. It is quite literally a quarter million people drive into the city every day to work, to party, to enjoy. And the whole idea that we're making these changes to this uh, goose that lays a golden egg on a regular basis, we're letting a bunch of politicians, not veterinarians, not specialists, just a bunch of politicians rearrange the goose's innards because they think they can get more gold out of it. One early version has limited alcohol sales from 5 a.m. to 2 a.m. during spring break in some areas of South Beach. Will that cost 15% of profits for some of your members? Oh, more than more than that. Because what you realize is in a bar or in a nightclub, those are your best hours, right? The, the, the truth is, for them, it's 12 to 3, which are their best hours. And remember, when it's a 2 a.m. cutoff, it doesn't mean last call 2 a.m. It means there can be no alcohol on any table. There can be no sales. And that is precisely what the what the, the mistake that they're making here. One of the bills being floated in Tallahassee right now would allow businesses whose profits shrink by at least 15% because of a new local rule to sue the city government, in this case, for lost profits for up to seven years. Would your clients consider suing to recoup those lost profits if this bill does go into effect and last call for alcohol is rolled back to 2 a.m. in certain areas? I think so, but it's part of the reason that the mayor is rushing to judgment because he wants to pass this before that bill takes effect. Of course they would have cause of action. There's no uh, dearth of attorneys here who would uh, like to sue a deep pocket like the city. You served in Congress as a Democrat, and this proposal that we're seeing in Tallahassee and others in the legislature that remove local control and hand it to the state government are sponsored and supported by Republicans. I'm just curious your, your, your thoughts on that as an overall issue in this particular case, but also in general. The best place to decide these things is in local government. But when you have a government overreach, when you have a, a government basically decide, uh, you know, it's, you know, we're going to have temperance all of a sudden or to change the very character and nature without engaging in the stakeholder process that allows all the parties to participate, the property owners, the residents, the, the workers. This is what you get. And and what uh, what the governor, who, as you, anybody who knows me knows, I am no fan of the governor, but the, the governor is, is speaking to the fact that these local governments overreaching. And clearly, Mayor Gelbert has overreached here. And, and it is not only to the detriment of these businesses. It's to the detriment of what is one of the greatest miracles in entertainment in, in the last 50 years of American hospitality. That was former Congressman Joe Garcia, who's a lobbyist for some Miami Beach bars and restaurants, opposing a blanket 2 a.m. last call for alcohol. You can find a podcast of this program by searching Sunshine Economy wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find all of our Tallahassee Takeover podcasts. We tackle Florida's gun laws, local efforts to deal with climate change, and the fight over masks in schools, among other topics. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Danny Rivero. And I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. WLRN Public Media.